Don't you have some kind of a line that you keep open for emergencies or for celebrities? I'm both. I'm a celebrity in an emergency. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Nance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Back with you live now that we have cable and internet back. We have dealt with Ian. Ian went away and we remain. We're very happy to be in your ears at this hour. Let's say hello to bad boy Benny Mathers at the board, our producer. Benny, how are you? Hi there, you two. And yes, welcome back. You guys uh, got through it. Yes, we did. That's that's the essence of what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> Suzanne came up with this idea. The bigger picture. Yes. Natural oh, disasters. There you go. So many people have been involved with natural disasters, weather-related disasters. I started thinking about all the possibilities, and I came up with forest fires, floods, mudslides, blizzards, tornadoes, earthquakes, volcanoes, Mount St. Helens, tsunami, and hurricanes. And Gary and I just went through a hurricane. And I thought we'll talk a little bit about what we went through. Check and booked and, and check mark. Got that one check, down, right? Check, 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 check. check. <laughs> yes. I've probably been in a blizzard too. I don't recall uh, some of those others, but we had a, one time we had a, a guest who whose house completely burnt down in, in one of the California fires. Oh. And we talked to Catherine Alice about that. And she lost everything. She and her family evacuated. And when they came back, it was all ashes and rubble. And so, you know, we survived very, very well through Hurricane Ian with with barely a loss. But it was something to go through. And so we thought we would talk about natural disasters a little bit today. It's still in the news. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, it's uh, what was it rated? Something like the the fifth most powerful one in U.S. history. Uh, yeah, and it, it ties. Yeah, what were you going to say? Ben? Oh no, I, I was going to totally agree with you. It's up near the top one or two. I mean, it's like a back and it's, forth, and it's not right. They're not done figuring out what has all been destroyed. Really, I mean, well, they haven't figured out the money part. That right, but they they look at it in terms of wind gusts. And it's the fifth strongest hurricane in the United States, Hmm. the fourth strongest in the state of Florida. And it actually is in a three-way tie for fourth. One of the big uh, hurricanes, the number one hurricane was on Labor Day, September 3, 1935. The winds were 185 miles an hour. Hmm. And it went through the Florida Keys and took out a railroad which had been built along U.S. Highway 1 there in Florida uh, to go out to the Keys so people would have a way to get out there. So they, they built a, a, a railroad tracks, and the Labor Day weekend of 1935 completely took out the whole railroad. Mm. So that was the biggest one. The second biggest one was one where I was living in Florida originally, and that was Hurricane Andrew in um uh, August 24, uh, and I don't have the year down here, 1992, 165 mile an hour winds that came through Miami. And so that was on the other coast in the Atlantic. 
And um, Gary knows, has a friend who went through Hurricane Andrew. Yes, my friend uh, Tammy, can you imagine five days she spent with her mother in a standard sized pickup truck where they didn't have access to their cell phones, they didn't have the power of any kind and couldn't even get a shower for about five days, this lady and her elderly mother. So, you know, it's, it, we'll get into this during the course of this hour, I'm sure there, but you can prepare as much as you want. You know, but ultimately it's you against the elements. Yeah. And there's a matter of the timing here. Did you want to expand on what you were saying, Suzanne? I'll keep this item in check. Oh, sure. The, the third most powerful hurricane in Florida was Hurricane Michael, and it wasn't that long ago. And then a tide, a three-way tie here um, was Hurricane Charlie, Hurricane Ian, and a a hurricane in the Florida Keys that they have recorded in 1919 before they started naming them. And on those, the sustained winds were 150 miles an hour. That's not your wind gusts. That's just constant, constant. wind yeah. at 150 miles an hour as it was coming ashore. And um, what they said about Hurricane Charlie from 2004 is that the entire Hurricane Charlie, including all of the outer feeder bands and everything, would have fit inside the eye of Hurricane Ian. Hurricane Ian, with all of its winds and all of its feeder bands, 500 miles across. It was twice the size of the width of Florida. That's crazy. 500 miles across. Uh, that's crazy because I've seen a couple of videos already now posting within the last you know, week and a half of like the calm in between it. And it's amazing yes. on how, yeah, it's like a normal day. And then it just starts right back up again. <laughs> like You could even get sunshine. If you're inside that <laughs> eye, you, you one of the walls passes through. Then all of a sudden you're in this calm and mm -hmm. this eye. You're looking at the sun. Sure. It looks beautiful out. The thing was traveling so slowly. It, it normally you get a hurricane that's traveling maybe 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. This one was going 10 miles an hour when it was 30 miles off the coast of Fort Myers. It still had three hours to go. Wow. And, and it's just dumping rain and wind at, at such a ferocious pace. And it didn't even hit until three hours later hmm. so with the with that size and then of course then you got your your nice little eye in the center and everything's calm and nice and then you get the other side of the eye wall and it starts up all over again well you know originally we heard it was coming north of where we were and the other thing about hurricane ian was that they they said it was a rapid intensification hurricane, which occurs later in the season. The, the actual hurricane season starts June 1 and ends December 1. So it's six months long. And generally, if you have a hurricane that's starting in September or October, kind of later in the season, they can rapidly intensify. And this is what happened here. I've said to Gary on a number of occasions, you know, with a hurricane, you get a lot of warning and not like an earthquake. When you have an earthquake, it's just on. But when you have a hurricane, 
you know, a week or two in advance. Yeah, you a little, a little more time to prepare. And exactly, yeah. I said a lot of time to prepare, but this one was not like that. This huh. was just tropical depression number nine. It didn't look like you know much of any big deal in the Caribbean Sea, and it wasn't until Friday that they said um, the winds are going to be the minimum, which is 74 miles an hour sustained. And they said it's category one hurricane, Hurricane Ian. And that was on Friday. We were just hanging around Friday, looking at each other. And I said, you know, we ought to get some water. Let's go to Costco. We went to Costco, no water, empty shelves. Everybody had the same thought we had. And now that that it was named, people were going to prepare who hadn't normally stocked up. Right. And so there we were in an empty shelf Costco looking for water. And we won't even get into the toilet paper situation. (laughs) We've already had to do that these last couple of years. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Yes, it was. It was some incredible stuff. And the thing with the hurricane, uh, I've said this to Suzanne any number of times, I moved to Florida and I figure, okay, the difference between here and where I grew up, Southern California, and then lived 21 years in Seattle, is when an earthquake comes along, it's on, everybody. We all know that. If you've been through it, it's on. And you just got to figure out how am I going to shelter? What do I do here? And there's that freezing in place. And I got to go somewhere and deal with that. In the case of a hurricane, you have time to prepare ordinarily. And so, okay, are we going to take a direct hit? Do we want to fly out of here? Do we want to get the car and drive? And then you're part of this gigantic serpentine line of cars going uh, all the way out of state. What do we do about that? It's a different kind of experience, but you can't be prepared for the intensity at your particular address. That's what occurred to me. I was in one room, Suzanne was in another for a time, and we were just watching the show, not with any delight, believe me, but we were there looking at the wind. You know, Benny, how flags will be in a stiff breeze, the flags will just be straight out. Well, in our like case, on the moon. we're talking, well, like, that's right, like on the moon, that's right, only here <laughs> we're think- talking about palm trees, they're, and they're just there, they're just absolutely bolt to the side they're just straight out and this is all over the neighborhood most of them made it and some of them didn't yeah i was sitting in the living room and i watched a palm tree in uh, our backyard fall it was it was like timber and it went down really slowly and fell completely to the ground and that wasn't the only thing that fell across the street gary was looking out a different window three palm trees fell down across the street, big ones, like, you know, 40 footers. These are big, tall, tall things falling down. And the wind was going only horizontally. That's got to be just an intense environment to listen to. And I mean, for me, obviously, that's what I do all day long is is hear things. But like, you can't just shut it off. You can't just turn it off and, and let it go away. I mean, it goes, it's just unreal, especially like a tornado, right? Like they just kind of show up within minutes, right? And then it's just this loud, incredible noise. But hurricanes just kind of ramp up and just get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And you're just like, I just can't shut it off. That that would intimidate me more than anything. And hurricanes it, will generate tornadoes. 
they, yes, they will. They, they had a lot of tornado watches as well, along with the hurricanes. It, it, as we were watching this shift from going in north of us on, um, over the weekend, they said, it looks like it's going a little bit further south. And it was predicted and projected to come right through Sarasota, where we live. And so the weekend was spent removing everything from the outside. If you're going to have a, a large category hurricane coming at you, everything is a missile. Everything. Potted plants, solar lights, furniture, anything which is outside is a, a potential missile to come through your windows. Right. And so that we spent hours removing things from the outside to the point where on the either the last day or the second to the last day, we were bringing our outdoor furniture inside our living room. It looked like a furniture store in here. We had so many things inside because we couldn't leave a single thing outside that wasn't planted in the ground. Everything could could fly and and cause a problem. So here we were with with everything inside and and then they said, well it looks like it's going to go even further south. The difference between being on one side or the other side is that on one side you get a big storm surge and on the other side you get a whole lot more rain. So if, if it was going to be north of us and we were on the south side of it, we would have had eight or 10 feet of, of water, of wall of water. But being having it be south of us and we're on the north side of it, then they anticipated between a foot and a half and 24 inches of rain in a 24-hour period. So when it moved further south, then it was like, okay, we're not going to get the storm surge, but we are going to get a whole lot of rain. And, uh, and then finally, um, we, we went to get some sandbags. They, they opened at nine o'clock. We got there at nine ten. It was an hour and a half line. Wow. And these are the, pre, the pre-made ones like, or do you have to you, fill your own? You fill your own. Oh, They'll okay. give you the empty bags. Yeah. Oh, just and, the empty bag. And then you have to go shovel it yourself. And you go, you go shovel it yourself. And we shoveled 10 bags, put them in the car, but we didn't know. It was like Disneyland. It was an hour and a half wait for a five minute ride because it was snaking around places you couldn't see from the road. Oh. And so once we got in, it was like up and down different parking lot um, uh, aisles and around here and right and left and right and left. And then all of a sudden you actually saw the sand pile and, and uh, trucks bringing in and dumping sand and people filling the bags, but they had it coordinated so that there was only a certain number of people doing it at one time. And I would say there was probably what, 20 or 30 cars, maybe. 
about 30 yeah uh, so, about 30 cars so i guess you guys didn't have your magic key pass with you you couldn't jump to the head no of the magic right? key pass. <laughs> and when the lady handed the shovel to suzanne she didn't say have a magical day <laughs> <laughs> i probably if she did she probably would have had that shovel shoved in your face but <laughs> yeah it would be in an inconvenient place right but and it's you know and we took it now here's the thing you know oh hurricane wow oh the damage yeah a lot of it. I mean, yeah. Fort Myers, Fort Myers Beach, Lee County, which is home to Port Charlotte. Oh, my God. Those poor people. I mean, send your most positive thoughts their way. They need every one of them. Mm -hmm. When when you have a hurricane, you can be between houses, literally between houses that suffer any amount of damage, even very severe damage. And all we lost was a hibiscus. Yes. And what I found out is God hates hibiscus. Yeah. Why did go why go to the trouble of creating if you're only going to blow it away in a hurricane? We bought two hibiscus bushes where, shortly after we moved here. And the first one was killed off, drowned actually, by Hurricane Irma. And then the second one outside our patio, known locally as a Florida room, there that got destroyed, uprooted. And so I thought we're over two with the hibiscus over here. We're just not going to get those anywhere. You have to get something that's pretty weather resistant. But what do you do when you're looking for weather resistant foliage and palm trees are crashing on roofs and into each other, right? Yeah. So what do you do? Your meme will be, we will rebuild. We will. That's right. right. We're Sarasota <laughs> strong. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and Suzanne, who is part owner of, with her brother of a, a beautiful condo on the barrier island siesta key directly across the street from the entrance to one of the favorite beaches in the world siesta beach which has been at least twice named best beach in the world by no less an authority than dr beach online and he, if he says it's number one it's number one but we thought storm surge about which we were warned for days storms this is going to be a monster they're saying this is this is not normal what's coming your way i mean talk about building the suspense this is going to be a bad one folks and the barrier islands always catch hell because they're what they take the brunt there and inland you may have some flooding but you don't expect anything nearly as severe so that lovely lovely condo there on siesta key what happened to it we took the sandbags all 10 of them over there to put by their patio door in order to keep the floodwaters from, from invading too much. We wanted to you know, avoid ruining the furniture, among other things. How bad was it going to get? Well, how bad was it, Suzanne? Well, that's, uh, that's kind of the end of the story because when the um, hurricanes come to the barrier islands, they close the bridges. And so you cannot go on or off the island. And so they didn't allow anybody on starting Tuesday at three o'clock in the afternoon. And they wouldn't let anybody off the island at six o'clock on Tuesday evening. So that if you had not evacuated, as was suggested, that you were completely isolated with no police, no fire, no ambulance, no services of any kind on a barrier island. When the hurricane passes, you cannot get back on the island without a driver's license with an address on the island because they're preventing looters from right. going out there. 
And so that was a big question mark until Friday. And, and we found out uh, Friday that the, the condo did fine. But in the meantime, I was waking up Wednesday morning. Our whole event here was Wednesday. And I think it was either Monday or Tuesday that Gary said, you know what? We might not be able to do our radio show over the weekend. And so we were, you know, picking our replays for last weekend on the off chance that we would not have any electricity. And that was a good thing because Wednesday was the day of the big event. And at five o'clock in the morning, I hear pinging noises against the windows, just pinging. And I wake up and it's the rain. It's coming in sideways at 5 a.m. that hard. Yeah. Yes. And it lasted like that from 5 a.m. till probably 10 or 11 at night. So it was it was a long all day, all day, all day, all day event. And I, we, since we, the storm got named on Friday, I said, oh my gosh, we've got so much food we're going to lose out of the refrigerator and the freezer. So every meal was, how can we eat more out of the refrigerator and freezer? Because that's going to go. And on Wednesday morning, as it was blustering outside, I said, well, let's have our last hot meal. So we had the last of the bacon, the last of the eggs, and we we're looking at more empty space in the refrigerator, had a good meal, and then just sat and watched it all day long, along with the weather channel, which we kept on every second of Wednesday until we lost our television. And that was at three in the afternoon. And I said, well, now that we've lost our television and our internet, the next thing to go is going to be the electricity. So let's have one more hot meal. So we had an early dinner on Wednesday and we, and we were waiting for the cell phone towers to go down. The cell phone towers never went down and our electricity where we live is all underground we never lost electricity and we never lost cell phones. And so well, we, they did something we right make, there, didn't they? <laughs> we, we did a couple of quick calls and then we'd plug them right back in because we wanted sure. to be 100% yeah, charged up sure. the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the winds didn't lessen till about 10 or 11 at night. And um, I, I said, well, you know, we've been through the worst of it. They measured the winds in Sarasota at over a hundred miles an hour sustained. Hmm. So there were gusts that were higher, but that's why the wind was blowing horizontally and the rain horizontally is that it was over a hundred miles an hour here. And as Gary said, how fortunate could we be to lose one bush? And it happened to be just from the direction that it was coming from because um, two of our neighbors lost some flat roofs and both of them got water on the inside of their homes. Mm. And so they're having to uh, deal with that. We didn't know what was happening. It was weird not to have internet or television because we didn't know where it was. We couldn't, we couldn't see anything it by Thursday. It looked nice outside again. 
when it had passed and we had no idea where the hurricane was even located. And then Friday, same thing, another nice day. Things are getting picked up. We're seeing the damage, the down trees, the down palm fronds, um, just stuff everywhere. A, a lot of down trees and a lot of downed branches. Did not know, you know, what the situation was until 3.45 in the afternoon when the TV came back. And, and then it, we could see where it was. And we were surprised it hadn't even left Florida Friday afternoon. It was still raging over on the East Coast. Um, but that was when we were connected. But there was a like a 48-hour period where we were actually not knowing anything that was going on. And that felt really strange to be so disconnected from all the media. Let me extrapolate from that. I mean, this was bad enough, but to an infinite degree, if you take the kind of thing we experienced and you transplant yourself to Ukraine, can you imagine what families, what loved ones of all kinds, friends, associates, neighbors, how did they get their news? This is how this is the fog of war. It's also the fog of a natural disaster. You're not sure what to believe. There, the first time somebody told me it was Suzanne's friend. She's on the phone. We don't have TV. We, we had lights. We could cook a meal. Thank God. Even air conditioning. Couldn't watch TV. Couldn't get the news. There, and Suzanne's friend says, in Sarasota on the roadways there were sharks swimming, and I'm going now. Come on. This is, this is like Jaws meets War of the Worlds. What are we dealing with? <laughs> but you didn't know what to believe. It was actually featured on some of the nighttime television shows Some from that video. Someone clipped it out and they sent it on there. I think Stephen Colbert did it. That's It's just an amazing yeah. set of circumstances yeah. when you don't know what you can believe or what you need to be asking other than, you know, are there people dying with this? And we did suffer some in Sarasota, many more in the Fort Myers and Fort Charlotte area. But it was like, okay, what's real? What are they saying next? What are we? Is it still on the news? And of course, it was. For in a sense, it's still going because of President Biden's visit on Wednesday, etc. So it's going to be with us for a while. Massive cleanup, massively expensive, and that's your tax dollars at work. You know, it's great to talk about cutting taxes, lower taxes. We're going to get those taxes down. Yeah, what do you do for money when a hurricane? came blows through and tears up a whole section of your state. Somebody's going to pay something and it would be nice. My editorial opinion, it would be lovely if states that contribute very little to federal funds for FEMA, for example, there will shake their fist at uncle Sam cuss out the president. But when that hurricane, that earthquake, that tornado, that wildfire, when any of them shows up, then they got their hands out. Now, you know, they'll take all the help and God bless you and so forth. Well, you know what? Think about those issues on the front end. And I think we'll be better prepared. Put some thought into that. You also find out, and I think this is just human nature, Benny, that people, you know, self-preservation is the first law of nature. It's just you're going to preserve yourself as a sentient being, right? A conscious living person there. So you're going to look out for yourself. 
it was very touching, moving to me to see people who went out of their way, individuals or couples who wanted to know how others were doing. And if they had some way to help, they would offer that help, even if they had to divide their own resources to help save someone else. It was extraordinary to see this. It's not always me, 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 the one note opera 24-7. That's the good news. Yeah. So double backing real fast. So what really intimidates me from just hearing your amazing, incredible story, as far as I feel like you have to have so many like plans in place to act. You're like, okay, plan A, we lose this, we lose this, we go to this. All right. Well, we lost this. Now we got to go to plan B. And then there's plan B and C. And it's just impressive, especially like traveling to and from the island without ID because of the looting situation. I mean, Right. Not knowing because we're obviously in this chill, my quotes, my air quotes, in Seattle. It's a little cloudy, a little rainy. We (laughs) cause the biggest uproar (laughs) when it's like five days in a row. But we don't really have a plan for stuff like that. We just kind of go with the flow still. But for your situation, that's just I feel like I would have pages of notes and like I have to remember to do this and I have to do that and I have to go here and I have to go see this neighbor and and, you know, get a hot meal because I may not eat for a week. Those are, those are the things that I just couldn't even imagine. There are uh, booklets that are put out by the local news stations with all kinds of checklists. Mm. Like if you're going to evacuate, make sure you take your insurance papers with you and your photographs and, and, you know, maybe your jewelry or, you know, anything which is uh, particularly valuable, but they're, they, they tell you how to prepare uh, if you're if you're paying attention and you're going to do that, there very few people actually carry flood insurance. I've heard flood that. insurance mm-hmm. is hugely expensive. Is it like ten percent or something like that? Like not very many. It, 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 it's it's very very expensive, yeah. and so like eighty percent of the people don't carry flood insurance, right. and and so they're they're they would just have a total loss. If their places were flooded, it would be like, okay, bye-bye money yeah. because they're, they don't, that's not covered. That's just not covered. We, uh, we want to take our, our one and only break of this hour and also extend a little bit of an invitation. We're talking about natural disasters today, wildfires, floods, mudslides. Our friend Catherine Alice, who went through a wildfire in mm-hmm. California and lost her home. Blizzards, tornadoes, earthquakes, volcano, Mount St. Helens, um, tsunami, hurricane. If there is a natural disaster that you went through and you want to bring it to our show today, uh, we don't have a guest. We're our own guest today talking about natural disasters, but we invite you to call in and share your story if you would like to, to do that. What, what kind of natural disaster did you go through? or maybe your family went through and you know how did that turn out our call in numbers are from anywhere area code area code 425-373-5527 425-373-5527 if you're in western washington you can call toll free at 1-888-298-5569 Benny will take your calls, put you in queue, and you can join the conversation in the second half of the show if you would like to do that. And in the meantime, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. Usually at the bottom of the hour, we have a marketing piece where we invite our guests to uh, tell us how you can. I've got a slightly used lawn chair. (laughs) You've got to pay for the postage. Otherwise, it's free to a good home. Let me just say that if uh, you want to get more information about us, our our website is MansonMitchell.com. If you want to see what our schedule is of guests or anything going on with our show, maybe previous guests we've had. And if you go to 1150kknw.com, that's where the archives are kept. You click on podcast tab, go to Manson Mitchell, and you can listen to previous shows there. We don't often talk about ourselves during the marketing piece, but I thought maybe today we would do that. I don't know that we've ever done it before. (laughs) That's what a hurricane will do to you. Disasters we have known. Disasters we have known. And Benny says he's got some stories. So that's it. I'll put the number out one more time if you're interested in participating in the conversation. Feel free. Just call 425-373-5527. Tell us your story. Where were you in Mount St. Helens, Blue? Hopefully nowhere nearby. There, how about that uh, quake? Was it 2001? I think the spring of 2001. It was out in uh, in Thurston County. I remember I was sitting in Tukwila. In my, I was working uh, managing apartments at the time. I'm sitting there in the rental office at my desk, and I'm on the phone. And the quake hits, and all of a sudden, I'm shaking, 
left to right, left to right. Left, and my chair is the desk is the room is, and I'm looking at the walls and they're just yep. trembling. And I remember saying to the person on the other end of the line, it won't stop. Why won't it stop shaking? I've been through earthquakes and, and they stop. This one won't stop. It was a rolling, rumbling kind of earthquake. And I really wondered whether my office was going to come down from the second floor to the first, make it easier to get to my car. There, during that time, it was just that, that shocking. And as I say, I went through the Silmar quake back in, what, 1970 in California, almost shook me out of bed. They're in Orange County, and Silmar was well north of that, north of L.A., and there was this big earthquake. I knew what those were like, but not one that seemingly was going on without end until it did end. So what happens? And we're going to get to Benny's story here. This is pretty exciting stuff he's got to tell. This is the kind of stuff that would be a, a good plot for a movie. In that spring uh, of 2001, when the earthquake hit, mm -hmm. um, I was planning on moving to mm -hmm. Seattle in April. And what did your friends and, and associates friends say? And my were laughing at me saying, <laughs> why would you move someplace that has earthquakes? Right? <laughs> so we just celebrated the 20th year anniversary on that. That was February 8th of 2001. It was a 6.8, the Nisqually quake. I was at WSU finishing up my bachelor's degree in communications, go Cougs. And I was in the library just one floor below or above, I should say, overlooking the, the back of the campus where the football stadium was and all that. And yeah, I remember just, I had my friend Joel. I remember we were looking for notes. We were looking for stuff for papers and stuff like that. Of course we were. I'm saying that. And uh, we looked outside and I'm like, do you see that? Do you? And you could see this just giant wave of yes. the fields moving. And I'm like, is it windy today? And I'm like, no. And then we went back and forth. And then you could feel kind of like your body kind of swaying a little bit. Remember, we're on the other side of the state. So it's already made it across all the way over there. And then we went back online. We're just kind of doing our stuff. And we just saw all of the news outlets feeding all the, you know, MSN and Yahoo, like, Quake hit Seattle, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I think we just rode through that. And it had been those long, giant rollers by the time it got to Pullman, which was only like a couple of minutes. But still, that was the intense intensity that we felt um, from that year. So it, it, it affected everybody, obviously. It, it definitely yeah. was. I believe there was someone who died of a heart attack. And I don't know how many other casualties casualties there were, but not many yeah. because it was said by a seismologist afterward. I still remember this from the news back in the day, back in February of 2001. Yes, I remember hearing that had it been however many miles closer to the surface instead of being as deep as it was, had it been close to the surface, you would have had massive catastrophic damage to people and structures. It's all about where it hits and how long it goes. And then, of course, you have aftershocks to be concerned with as well. Takes me back to my days in as a young person, even a teenager in Southern California. And that was the wrap on earthquakes. It's like this is earth, earthquake country. When it comes on, you got to know what you're going to do because you don't have time to prepare. It's on, John. And you got to figure <laughs> out how you're going to survive it. You don't want anything landing on your head, even though you might be standing in your own kitchen. Very, very true. Hey, we got a caller. Maureen from Seattle would like to join our conversation with the uh, Nisqually quake. So, Maureen, welcome. Hello. Hi. Thank Hi, Maureen. You. Hi. How are you? <laughs> We're doing fine at, at this hour, and we trust you are as well. It sounds like you had a pretty scary experience yourself. I was home from work that day. It was a Tuesday, I remember, and I was, um, you know, I don't know what I was doing. It was in my living room, and all of a sudden I, I felt it, and I, I heard something like 
water or something, and I looked in where my hot water tank was, and I was on the top floor of this building, and it was burst. I mean, it was all the water was starting to flow. So I got a hold of somebody really quick to come over and fix it, which I was glad I was home. But then I had a home gym that was 400 pounds at that time, and it was sliding back and forth across the floor. And my dad had gone into Swedish Hospital the night before with chest pain, and they sent him home at 11 o'clock the next morning because they thought they were going to get hundreds of patients in the hospital. Hmm. <laughs> so it was interesting. But they were prepared. God bless them. See, right. they thought ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. It was fun. I like that. Did you have a lot of damage <laughs> where you were, Maureen? Uh, no, actually, I think from what I heard about that earthquake, the only damage was down in Pioneer Square. Yeah, where okay. a lot of the older brick buildings are, and they're not as uh, equipped with the you know earthquake. You know, not a lot of give in those yeah, bricks. Yeah, none whatsoever. They tumble. Yeah. Yeah, and I have, well, cra- I have some cracks in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, okay. So maybe who knows. Yeah. So what did your, did you have family elsewhere, Maureen? So because I called and left a message for my folks down in Las Vegas there and told them, I'm okay. You're going to hear news that there was an earthquake near Seattle, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm all right. It was scary there. And I just left that message. Did you have to communicate right away as soon as you could maybe finding that as you got on the telephone lines, you couldn't get through right away? Yeah. Canada was relatives from Canada were calling. Oh yeah. And then my sister worked at uh, the geophysics department at the UW in 1980 when Mount St. Helens erupted. She knew the guys. She knew the one who had died down there. Mm. And she um, knew a couple days before it actually erupted that they thought it would erupt over the weekend. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, do you remember all scary. the You weren't here then. Do you remember all the ash that we had? All the ash, she said, for, uh, from Mount St. Helens. Yeah, from Mount St. Yeah. Helens. Yeah. We, oh, I was yeah. not living there at the time, but I remember going to the Space Needle gift shop and a couple of other places, I think in Pike, Pike Place Market, there, and they had vials of ash that you could buy, souvenir ash from Mount St. Helens. <laughs> you could have just collected it from our cars. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Save a little money. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Oh. Maureen, thank you for calling in today with your story. Glad you are good. that you are okay. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, yep, Maureen. And okay. that actually piggybacks to my uh, other story. So in '89, I was living in Alaska, and that's when Mount Readout blew up. And I was in seventh grade, and it already been rumbling over the previous week or so. And so, you know, we were in class, and then finally we heard the alarm, and they're like, "This is not a drill." You know, that the standard thing that you always don't want to hear, and it did happen. And so all the teachers were preparing, and they're closing up all the doors and windows and all that. And you could look outside, and it was probably I can't remember. It was in the mid morning, maybe afternoon, but it was already pitch black from the giant ash cloud that was starting to move its way over across the Cook Inlet. And uh, you know, they stopped all the buses. They didn't want anybody to run around. They just you know, obviously you know, just take cover so to speak just like don't get around until it kind of go blows through um and then next thing you know you just you could see it coming in through the building like the actual ash because they had unfortunately oh my gosh. well it was it wasn't like coming in like crazy but they right. had, they forgot to turn off the the uh, air system the vents and all yeah, that yeah right so finally they scrambled to do that just so they could prevent it from not coming all the way in uh, right. And it lasted, you know, a couple hours we were there. I honestly couldn't remember how long we were there, but we were detained well after the school hours. And then, you know, parents would start coming by. But then we got to walk outside for the first time and see 
like exactly like just inches of ash all over. And this is on top of the snow because it was in the wintertime. It was already there. So mm. f- for the next few weeks to months, it was, you know, dirty clothes, you know, ashy. It was all over. And that stuff is so fine. And it, it just gets in everything. Um, but that was probably the most intense thing that I've ever been through. A lot of kids were upset, you know, you know, because we just you always see in the movies and all that, like, this volcano, you know, and it's this huge, giant eruption. And it did, but it wasn't like, you know, the theatrical scene. It was just Well, more... you didn't have the lava flowing near no, you. No, and that's what but... everyone was like, it's going to get us. You know, it's like, no, there's a giant cook inlet in between us. You know, there's, you know, you know a, hundred, a couple hundred miles of water in between us. So it's not going to, you know, get us Were that you way, but... more curious or were you like with the other kids just being scared about what was happening because you didn't know? Yeah, I think it's just scared of, you know, what's happening. You know, you're in your early teens kind of. So you're just you think you got control of your emotions and then you're like, I want my mom. You know, my daddy, like you still kind of go through that. Um, And, you know, you have to have a sense of control and you're trying to also look at other people and some of them do and some of them don't. And then I had a little sister. uh, So afterwards, so, you know, we got along really well because we're really close in age. Um, It it can affect anyone, everyone different, you know, and obviously some parents have maybe been through the Mount St. Helens one, which was nine years earlier um, that we had been hearing about because this is in 89. uh, Helens was 80, right? So we had already learned enough about it that it had been, you know, just it's going to be a lot of ash. After it had erupted, they kind of came up with some scenarios that they were telling the classrooms and so forth like that. But it was pretty intense. Yeah. Wow. And you mentioned something during the break about you saw a hurricane from the air. You were in a plane? Yeah. So unfortunately, I tried to text my sister, and I should know this, but she got married in uh, the Caribbean or Caribbean, however you want to call it. Uh, in the 2000s, <laughs> I'm going to go a window between three and six. And we were, it was already, they already had to uh, deter, we were on a, a cruise ship. And so we were going to do like the four ports, seven, whatever. And we had to detour around one of them because of the incoming hurricane. And unfortunately, I can't remember which one. And I looked online and there's like five of them in like a two, three year span. So it could have been any one of those. And I don't want to get it wrong. So. Anyway, so they had to, we didn't get to go to one of the ports. We came back a little early. They kind of comped us a little bit fine. But on the way out, which was really cool, and the pilot actually was able to detour around to get everyone on both sides of the plane to see the hurricane coming in off of the coast. It was still a ways away, but, you know, when you're higher up, you can obviously see it. But that was the first time I've ever, ever seen something so vivid and you could see the eye. He actually was able to get a good angle enough so everyone could see down in, not like super close, but enough to catch the eye, obviously, or it may mm. have been that big at the time. Yeah, or it may have been that yeah. big at the time to see it. And everyone was just, it was so quiet on the plane, too, flying around. Or just, that was intense. But it was a great shot to see, like, you know, nature at its finest, I should say, or the worst as well. Yeah, nature at its finest and its worst, for sure. Um, Incredible. You know, when when Gary and I drove out to Seattle, we were really amazed by the wildfires because that had not existed when we were living there. And, And so then to see smoke coming up between the trees and to see how thick the air was, um, you know, that's another thing that, uh, Big changes, you know, big changes in the climate. Yeah. 
And even right now, if you just kind of look across the country, the wildfires in the West, the flooding in the East, hurricanes in the South, I mean, there's just everybody's con having to contend with some kind of weather issue, whether it becomes a natural disaster is something else, but the mudslides in California um, and, and all over and um, well, tornadoes the, and wildfires, wildfires, yeah. you know, I mean, especially wildfires in the last couple of years for us in, you know, yes. we have haze today because of the Bolt Creek fire still. I mean, still weeks after and we're still seeing it. And today I'm staring yeah. at it right now and it's still impressive that it can still hang around that long but you just can't you can only do so much and it's just unfortunate that you know mother nature gives us those uh those actions yes she will work her will yep let me ask you benny were you in town were you in working or trying to at work or in your capacity you have to you know get there quickly and stay throughout a lot of times at the station do you remember the days, it seems to me it went on for the better part of a week several years ago when the air in Puget Sound was so hazardous that people stayed in and they still were having trouble breathing. They were coughing, their eyes were burning, and they were indoors. Sorry, well, I actually just coughed while you did that. I didn't know what that was just because I was That was choking. a sympathy cough. I, yeah, I was. I was choking on my own it spit. It qualifies as a sound effect. Yeah. Choking on my own spit, too. I didn't know how to swallow properly. Uh, that would be, it was two, a little over two years ago because that was when I first, when I met my girlfriend. So it was um, at least the last couple of years, right at the end of the COVID, it kind of started ramping up and so forth like that. Yeah, looking outside and it was that the, like the red sun all day. And it was, it was so bad. You wow. can go out and you could just, you breathe in and you're like, this isn't, this isn't right. Even though it probably wouldn't hurt you that much, but it's just for those that do have underlying conditions or something, definitely not a good idea. But yeah, a lot of people tried to stay inside, but then it was getting warmer. So you had, you know, air conditioning issues or those running. There was a lot of things to go. I mean, these are obviously our issues we're having up here. First world problems yeah. in, in Seattle yeah. area versus you guys. But it does make a difference for those that really can't get out. And for them mm -hmm. to have, you know, better oxygen and, and air quality. Uh, but, yeah, for quite a few weeks and months at a time, it was bad. Like, you really couldn't go outside. It wasn't worth it. Some of those things last a long time, like mm -hmm. the wildfires, when you have the, the smoky haze and you have the, uh, you know, the pollution and that difficulty breathing. And then some things that come through, like the hurricane, uh, beautiful the next couple of days, but the recovery is going to last for if, if not years, many months yeah. of recovery. Uh, the immediate recovery is, um, you know, just checking on the lives and mm -hmm. trying to remove as much debris as possible, but to rebuild, to move, to handle all the claims, to do all that stuff is going to take a very long time one of the funniest moments when Gary and I were feeling very isolated without television or internet for a couple of days. And I mean, the break was nice, go outside and walk in the grass and be in the sunshine, but still feeling like we don't know what's going on. One time when our cell phones are working, uh, you texted me, Benny, and I gave you a call back and Gary said, Benny, I got to know, 
what's in the news? What's going on? You know, what's happening, you know, around the world. And you just laughed and you said, you're the news. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have anything else for you unless you want to be specific. (laughs) It's, it's trumping literally everything, like every, every outlet, every news source, people's social where yeah platforms it's all on it and i was watching when um right after i got off the phone with you before uh hurricane ian landed you gave us a heads up we might do a replay blah blah blah. i was watching a couple feeds the day after or the day before it actually happened and uh was it fort myers i believe they had some uh, cameras Mm -hmm. some ongoing footage and Mm -hmm. you could back it up about like you know 12 hours and see like the water level at some certain point and then fast yeah. forward another 12 hours and it was up like seven feet, like on the dock. And you're like, if you just slowly drag your cursor across, you could see just it's slowly rising and rising and rising and rising. That's right. what intimidates me, too, as far as how much water can come into an area in such a yeah. short amount of time. And of course, yeah. you can't stop it. Yes. No, in fact, yeah. I thought the aforementioned condo co-owned by Suzanne and her brother was going to be completely gone. Yeah, just completely gone. And it was virtually untouched. The sandbags weren't even needed. I was just, I thought that was extraordinary. You talk about a miracle. And of course, miracle gets thrown around pretty loosely. The fact of the matter is Mother Nature just didn't land there in that spot. It could have happened so easily, but it didn't happen. So you, you just thank God for the grace, one foot in front of the other and keep going. There you go. And that's that's pretty much the postscript here. Do you have a last comment about that, Benny? No, I have no, a question for you. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm fine on my end. Okay. So um, all who rest easy today, count your blessings. That's what I have to say about all of this. And uh, there are some natural disasters. There are some man-made disasters. And uh, the Seattle Mariners are overcoming one. How many years has it been since they were in the playoffs? I believe it's 21 big ones. <laughs> oh, 21 long years. And so please, we had about a minute and a half here, Benny, give us your brief assessment on the Mariners chances, the other teams in the playoffs, who looks good to you? I mean, I think we're looking really strong. Our solid team. We have hardly any injuries. We've been feeling this. We've been, we've feeling it and riding this high. The the team is looking good. The players are feeling awesome. They're gelling perfectly. I don't want, we don't want to mess it up. Okay. So you don't want to say too much either then. Exactly. (laughs) But what about their opponents? I mean, are they looking strong relative to the competition in this new format now where, which I think is a good idea. If you lose, you got to lose twice. I just think that's fair. Yeah, they're okay. I'm not going to say too much about them, but uh, go Mariners. That's all I'm going to say. Go Mariners. I like it. Yeah. All right. I I think in the 15 years that we have been on air, there have been, uh, uh, you could count on one hand, the times that we didn't have a guest to interview you. And that we just talked ourselves, but we thought, you know, if ever we were going to do it, this would be the time to talk about our own experiences with a, a major uh, event like uh, Hurricane Ian. So I'm glad we did that today. And uh, now we got a whole bunch of guests lined up after that. So, <laughs> so you don't have to keep listening oh, to us so much of the time. Join us tomorrow. Jody Levon is going to be on tomorrow. Oh, the happy medium herself. Fantastic. We always look forward to talking to Jody Levon. And Hope later we... today, yes. Trip Talk. Yes, the Trip Talk. We're going to talk about the Luray Caverns of Virginia. Suzanne and I visited. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. So stay tuned. 1 p.m., a half hour of spelunking with Manson Mitchell together on American Road Trip Talk. 
We wish you all a happy and safe weekend, everyone. Be back on the air tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific. Talk to you then. Thank you.